Thank you, uh, Young. Thanks, Lois, for sharing with us. <clears throat> it's almost uh, Christmas. Exciting, right? Very exciting. Um, it seems like, I don't know, if you're uh, kind of a, a doom and gloom type, if you're kind of the pessimistic type, you might think that, well, the only place we're allowed to say Christmas is here inside the church. We're not allowed to say it out in public, right? You ever feel like that? You, you, the astute observer would realize that probably in the last uh, 10, 15 years, we haven't been allowed to say, at least uh, for sake of political correctness, I haven't been allowed to say, uh, talk about, as, with, about Christmas as openly as we once used to. And so uh, when you go to school, you can't really pass out Christmas cards anymore, right? You can't really say Merry Christmas, but you can say Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings. You can give out cards that say things like that. You can't have a... Uh, you can't have an office Christmas party anymore, but you can have a holiday party or a celebration of winter party. You can have those kinds of things. Um, you can't go Christmas shopping anymore, at least not on social media, but you can go holiday shopping. That's kind of the world in which we live. It's kind of funny, kind of silly. Um, the songs that we sing are a lot different too now. And it's, it's you know, uh, we can't sing the songs that we used to sing, apparently not according to the world. We can't sing Joy to the World or O Come All Ye Faithful, O Holy Night, Silent Night, the songs that we grew up singing. Uh, not at school at least, but here's what you can sing. You can sing Walking in a Winter Wonderland. Yeah. So exciting, right? You can sing Let It Snow. You can sing Frosty the Snowman. You can always sing Let It Go at all times of the year. There are certain songs that you can sing, but there's other songs that they tell us we're not allowed to sing so much anymore. It's funny. If you can boil it down to one simple idea, we can sing songs about the snow, but we can't sing songs about the Savior, which is pretty funny here in the Sunshine State <laughs> where seeing snow is about as mythical as seeing Santa Claus himself because it just doesn't make much sense to us, right? Why is this the world in which we live? I don't know if you've seen, if you haven't seen a Charlie Brown <clears throat> Christmas, it's probably one of the clearest biblical pictures of what Christmas is all about. Have you seen it? It's amazing. It's beautiful. Charlie Brown spends the entire holiday special. See, I said it, holiday special, Christmas special, trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. He's kind of fed up with all the commercialized, uh, you know, the commercialization of Christmas. He's upset that Snoopy, all of his time is spent decorating his, putting lights around his doghouse. And he's, he's upset about that. And he's upset that Lucy is so obsessed over the Christmas gifts that she's going to get. And he's uh, upset that, that Schroeder, the piano player, right, is, is fixated upon the Christmas play. And he's like, man, what is Christmas all about? Is it about all of this stuff? And the final straw is when they charge him with the task of buying the Christmas tree for the Christmas play. And he buys this like mangled looking, like weird looking tree. And they say this word that you're not allowed to use. They say, you are dumb. And so Charlie Brown, frustrated, exasperated, says, is there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And then the theologian of that gang, Linus, with his blanket, steps up to the pulpit. He grabs a microphone and says, I can, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he goes and gives probably the greatest speech, I think, in all of Hollywood history. And he begins reciting from Luke chapter 2, the passage that we're going to read today. It is the climax of the Charlie Brown Christmas. Powerful and life-changing. And yet there are some schools that will show that entire special 
and then delete that part of it. That is a tragedy. Why? Why is the world trying to silence Christmas? And I'm not just talking about red cups at Starbucks. Why is the world trying to silence and avoid Christmas, to get rid of Christmas? Why? The simple question, the simple answer to the simple question is because we want to be politically correct. I don't want to offend anybody. That's all. Here's the logic. All the pro- and it's faulty, it's flawed. All the problems in our country, all the problems in our world come because we can't get along. Because we think differently. And if we just embraced everybody and didn't offend anybody, then the world would be a happy place. It would be Disney World every day of the year. Why can't we just all get along? That's what they say. And so let's not offend people. There's some people who don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in Christmas. So uh, we will take out Christmas and just say happy holidays. Because the world thinks that the one thing it needs during this season is to remove Christmas from the season. My proposal to you today, this morning, is that the very thing that the world is trying to get rid of, Christmas, is actually the very thing that it needs today, probably more than any time that I've been alive. And we need, desperately need, the message of Christmas. What is it about it? Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 8 through 20. We're going to read about that true story of the first Christmas that happened when Jesus was born. And as we read it, we're just going to, why is Christmas? Why do we need Christmas this year more than ever before? Two thoughts, one about the message and then one about the mission. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is God's word. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. Yeah, not, not clothes, wrapped in cloth. Cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and, and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. Beautiful, beautiful account, uh, one of two accounts that we have of the first uh, Christmas, uh, first Christmas night. So why do we need Christmas this year? Why is it here December 20th, 2015? Do we need Christmas? Is it the 20th, 20th, something like that? Why do we need Christmas more than, and why is the message of Christmas so significant to us this year more than any other? Again, I thought about the message and then thought about the mission. The first thing, what is the message? Christmas tells us that we don't have to live in fear. Christmas tells us that we don't have to live in fear. All of us have some kind of a fear, don't we? We're afraid of something. 
we have some kind of, a, whether it be an irrational fear, some kind of a phobia, the number 13, or I'm, fe- I'm afraid of Thursdays, or whatever it might be, or some real legitimate fear. I did some serious internet research, and I found out the things that, to me, are the things that scare children the most. I, I've actually made, and I don't do this much. If you're new, I hardly ever use visuals, but here, Christmas present for you. Here's a visual. This is what I believe to be the thing that kids these days are most scared about. Look at that, Santa Claus, right? These kids, parents, oh, go back, go back, go back. They thought that there would be strength in numbers if we put three of them up there and they would not cry, but they're terrified. That's like my kids would be like that. Okay, next one. Oh, look at her. She's like hating life and Santa is like chilling, so happy. Okay, next one. Yeah. Santa is ready to bail. He's as afraid of the kid as the kid is of Santa. Okay, next one. Oh, look at that guy. It, this is, looks like Santa is at the back of Home Depot, right? <laughs> Hiding in the street. This is like apparently where, where the flowers are, nobody wants to buy those. And so he's out in hiding, and this mom is like, we came through all this traffic to be here, so you're going to see. And then Mrs. Claus, look at her. She's like, I told you, that's why we didn't have any kids. <laughs> all right, uh, next one. Okay, this girl is like, Mom, why? Why, how could you do this to me? And Santa Claus is like trying to be all discreet, but the secret's out. She's scared of you, buddy. <laughs> she knows you're there. Okay, next one. Okay. Yeah, th- look at Santa. You would be afraid of him too. That. One guy on the right, look, one look at Santa, fainted. <laughs> so scared. Yeah, I think this next one is my favorite, though. Yeah, that's Isabel Lee. <laughs> look at her. The offspring of Chris and Haley. Yeah, beautiful. And we have to end on a good one. That's it. All right. Round of applause for my PowerPoint skills. I'm just kidding. Uh, Olive made that for me. <laughs> It would be nice if our world, in our world, the greatest fear that we had was of Santa. <laughs> but uh, that's not really the case. And we have a lot of fears in this day and age. We fear, boy, I, we fear things like terrorism. I, I talked to somebody yesterday that I'm afraid to go visit my family and get on an airplane on Christmas. Because I'm, I'm afraid of what might happen. Talked to someone a couple of days ago and said, I'm scared to go to a mall. You have to go to a mall. That's the world that we live in. That's crazy. We, we, we joke about how it's going to be an 86-degree Christmas here in Orlando, and we can hope and wish and dream for a white Christmas, but um, the global leaders, you know, global leaders met recently, like a couple weeks ago, to talk about this idea, global warming. They say within 100 years, some places on earth will be uninhabitable because it'll be so hot that people cannot live. And we fear the future of, I mean, this is 100 years. That's your great-grandchildren. That's your kids' grandkids. And we fear things like this. We fear, right, some of us, a legitimate fear, and I'm not trying to be political or funny, but we fear Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. Others of us fear Hillary Clinton becoming the president of the United States. We have a lot of fears. We have a lot of fears in this place, right? Some of it's political, some of it's about our family, some of it is financial. 
But if I can say that this Christmas we find ourselves, if we're full of fear, we're in a very similar kind of situation uh, that Jesus was born into. You know, the world that Jesus was born into was a world filled with fear, financial fear. And people were not, they, they had a very difficult time making ends meet. You know, in the passage where Jesus feeds 5,000, feeds a multitude, you know about this. It says there's 5,000 what? Not people, it says 5,000 men and women and children were there also. 5,000 men. Can you think about this? 5,000 men going out to the hillside to listen to a preacher preach. How could 5,000 men take that much time off? Because they didn't have a jail, they didn't have a job. Unemployment was through the roof at that time. They weren't sure where their food was going to come from. Jesus saying, listen, I'm going to be the provider. I'm going to provide bread from heaven. And everything that you, that's why you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Because it was a literal prayer for them. They didn't know where their food was going to come from. They had financial difficulties. And the reason why Joseph and Mary were going to Bethlehem was for a census. Why did they need a census? So that taxes could be raised again. They're living with fear that financially we're not going to make it. I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. You talk about turmoil in leadership. The king of the Jews at the time was a man named Herod. Herod was a psycho, ruthless, unconscionable kind of a king. You remember he ordered the massacre of innocent two years and under during the time Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You remember this? He ordered the slaughter, the extermination of all boys born in Bethlehem two years and under. Right before that happened, Joseph and Mary were told by an angel of God to go to Egypt, right? The escape to Egypt. So Jesus wasn't killed because Herod was trying to kill the baby Jesus, born king of the Jews. Now you understand that the time that Jesus was born into, that first Christmas was a time filled with fear. And it's into that kind of a world that Jesus came. And three times in the Christmas narrative, the true story that we've been looking at, three times to Zechariah, to Mary, Zechariah in Luke one thirteen, Mary in Luke one thirty, and once again here to the shepherds in chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 10, says the same thing, same thing that the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because the Christmas child is coming. And when Jesus comes, it will be the death of fear. It will be, there will no longer be a need for us to be afraid. Why was Zachariah afraid? He was afraid because he thought God wasn't hearing his prayers. Don't you fear that sometimes? Man, I've been praying for 30 years or something. And I don't think God is here. And you're afraid that you're out of favor with God. You're afraid that God's not going to hear your prayers. My professor, Steve Brown, used to say the reason atheists are afraid of prayer is because they think God might actually answer and their worldview is going to be flipped upside down or right side up. The reason Christians, we're afraid to pray is because we're afraid God's not going to answer. Don't you fear that? Someone is sick and they say, pray for them. And you're afraid to pray because you're afraid God's not going to answer. It isn't that a legitimate fear that many of us have. Zechariah was afraid that God's not hearing my prayers. In fact, for all these years I've been praying and it's not been answered. What was Mary's fear? Her fear was that her perfect life, her plans for her life were going to be thrown upside down. Are you serious? I'm a teenage unwed mom in a village that likes to talk and gossip because there's no social media. They just sit and and, and they talk to one another, whether it be at a well, whether it be on top of their roof. So they say, we'll shout it from the rooftops. Because people, that's where they would gather. It would be the coolest place in the house. It would be on the roof. And they would go up on the roof and they would talk. And they would gossip. 
in that kind of a town setting, my life, my, my life is over. But the angel is saying, do not be afraid. Feel like God hasn't answered your prayers or he's not there to answer. You feel like your plans for your life are falling apart and everything that you thought life was going to be is no longer the way it, you wanted it to be. The angel comes and says, do not be afraid. In large part, this is the message of Christmas, isn't it? Do not be afraid to a world filled and drowning in fear. Fear of going Christmas shopping because of what might happen. Fear of watching Star Wars because of what might happen in a crowded movie theater. In a world of fear, the message of Christmas comes and says, don't be afraid. Why are the shepherds afraid? Because they're not, they're, everybody knew at the time that shepherds were shady people. They had a difficult time distinguishing between my sheep and your sheep. And they would often steal other people's sheep. And, and they smelled bad because they hung out in the fields all day. And, and they weren't fit to go into the temple. In fact, they would raise the perfect lamb to send to the temple. But they themselves were disqualified from going to the temple because they were so dirty. They were not trustworthy. They lied all the time. So their witness was not accepted in the court of law. Shepherds were not the kind of person that you introduce to your mom and say, Ma, this is the guy I want to marry. You don't introduce shepherds to them. They're immoral people. You're considered bad, the lowest rung on the totem pole. And so when an angel comes to them as they're chilling in the dark of night, they're terrified because they think this will be the end of me. A few years ago, I was uh, with a group of, uh, of pastors and we were in a foreign country that is close to the gospel um, but in which an underground church is thriving and flourishing and, and booming. And we were going to visit a seminary where pastors in that place were being trained. Uh, so they had a, a, an actual building in which their, uh, their, their classes were taking place, but the police came and they disbanded everything, confiscated all their stuff and told them that they could no longer meet. And so they said, okay, we can't meet in this place, but they went to the next place and they, they found this apartment. And for four months out of the year, because the country in which they live is very large and people come from all over in order to study and to get this theological training. Some of them have begged to be there. They said, I know I'm 80 years old, but the people in my area are desperate for biblical teaching. And so they came hundreds of miles to be at this place. And all of them have left behind their families, their wives and their children for four months at a time, four months. And they're holed up in this apartment. And for fear that they would get arrested or killed, they cannot go for four months. They go out two by two, only twice over a period of four months. They go out twice in four months to get fresh air, to breathe, to see the light of day. But the rest of the four months, they're in that place and they're studying. They live there, they eat there, they pray there, they study there, and they're trained to be gospel ministers. And so the night that we were going there, it was dark and it was cold and it was wet. And we got specific instructions, about five of us. And our leader said to us, when you go, walk one by one. Don't go in a group. Okay, don't look suspicious. Don't say anything. Just go up the stairs. Don't make eye contact with anyone. Go to this floor. And when you do, knock on the door and say, ask for this person and say you're with this organization. That's it. And so we got up there and we knocked on the door. And I remember as we knocked, we heard scurrying around. People were moving around and and when the door opened, these two men answered the door and they looked as if they had seen a ghost. They were white. They were pale. They were frightened. And we said, we are looking for what such and such. We are with this organization. 
And the look of fear changed to this amazing sense of joy and peace as they welcomed us in and they gave us big hugs. As soon as the message that we were sent to bring was delivered, their fear gave way to peace and gave way to joy. Like kind of what's happening in the shepherds here. They're fearing that this visitation by the angels will be the ruin of them. But as soon as the message is declared, the sense of peace and joy comes over them. It says they were terrified, verse 9, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just for the good, but for all the people. And here's your sign. You will find, verse 12, a baby wrapped in cloths and laying, lying in a manger. Okay, the Savior of the world, the Savior King is going to be born. And the angel says, he's come for you too, shepherds. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Don't fear. You can be at ease. Be at peace. Because on whom God's favor rests, there will be peace. And he says, I know you don't believe it because nobody calls you religious. Everybody says you're the scum of the earth. But let me give you a sign. The king is going to be born, not in a mansion. Not in the the, the grandest of hotels, but will be born in a manger. Won't be wrapped in clothes, not in the royal regalia or the garb of a king, but he'll be wrapped in strips of cloth. And the people around him will be animals. And the stench around him will not be of perfume. It will be of dirty feces of barn animals. And he says, do not be afraid. You don't think you're good enough to come into the presence of God. Can I tell you, this is the kind of king who came to save your life. Don't be afraid. He identifies with the mess of your life. You think your life is too messy? You think you got stinky stuff all around? You think you've... People don't, eat, don't, don't call me the religious people. You think that defines your life? The angel says, do not be afraid. Because the Jesus who was born into a messy place is going to die in a messy place. And every day of his life, he's going to be spending it with messy people. And he came for people like shepherds. He says, do not be afraid. The coming of the Christ child, he says, changes everything. Everything changes. Fear has been put to death because of the coming of Christ. You're afraid that God doesn't hear your prayers. The long-awaited prayers, the hopes and fears of all the years. He's saying, listen, after hundreds of years, Jesus has come. Understand that God's delays are not his denials. And while you are waiting, God is always working. There is a death to fear that comes because of this Christ child. You think that your plans aren't going the way that you wanted them to go, and you feel like that's the end of it, Mary, he's saying, listen, listen, the plan of God is far greater. It may not have gone the way that you wanted it to go, but the coming of Christ says that the redemption of God is far greater and far bigger than anything that you could have ever imagined. Could she ever in her teenage mind comprehend the fact that she in that pregnancy would be giving birth to the Savior of the world? God is saying, my plans are greater than your plans. And every intention of my heart is for your good. You don't need to be afraid. And to a people living in fear, he says, you don't have to live in fear anymore. The greatest thing that we have to fear, death itself, was put to death at the cross of Christ and in his resurrection. That the worst thing that could happen to us 
is an invitation into an intimate relationship like nothing we've ever, we could ever imagine on earth where we will see Jesus face to face. It says the only thing that the greatest thing that we have to fear has been turned into a doorway into life as it was meant to be lived. When you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas, and hopefully many of you will, when you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas, as Linus gets up and he begins to recite from Luke chapter 2, and he go, just gives his speech. You know Linus, if he's known for one thing, it's to have a, a, his blanket. Is he scared? But when he gets to this part in verse 10 where he says, do not be afraid, literally he says, uh, he says uh, fear not. When Linus says, fear not, you look at him in that, in, that, in that video, you can find on YouTube, you don't want to watch the whole thing. The one time in all of Linus's life that I can think of, he drops his blanket. Does he realize that he doesn't need to be afraid because Christ has come? We don't need to be afraid. In a world that is swimming in fear, the message of Christmas is as powerful and as relevant and as necessary now than it has ever been. The message that the angels came to bring on Christmas was do not be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. The Savior of the world has come. The other thing that we see here then, why do we need Christmas more than ever, is because of our mission. Right? This Christmas, there are, we have the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, there are opportunities all around. I know that, you know, I've heard people say, and I've, I've, I've seen on social media, and, and, and people have been talking about how, you know, this is like the worst time to, to be a Christian. It's the worst time to, to raise a, a Christian child because there's all this immorality, and there's all this, you know, there's this uh, sexual immorality in, in our lifestyle, and, and everything is accessible. There's the, the propaganda of, of, of liberal whatever it is that are taking people away from God, and, and all this stuff, and, and I understand that. And maybe, yeah, a lot of that is true. We are not the majority anymore. It used to be that we were defined, Christianity in America was defined by a moral majority. And you could talk about that politically, but uh, the majority, right, was Christians, and we were relatively moral. But we're no longer the majority anymore. I think, you know, we can agree with that. More people, less people are identifying with Christianity, at least with organized religion, uh, and they're identifying more with, with other kinds of belief systems, right? That's true. Oh, it's a hard time to be a Christian. I can give you that. Maybe it is a hard time to be a Christian. It's the worst time for Christians to be alive. I beg to differ. Because I think the Bible tells a completely different story. It says whenever our backs are against the wall, this is when the church has arisen and found the opportunity of a lifetime. When all around you see darkness, man, this is the opportunity for the light to shine. This is, this is our day. This is when we're needed. This is when the light is needed to shine. You ever feel discouraged? You're not the first one. 1500, Martin Luther felt discouraged about the state of the church, the immorality, the compromise. It was all about money. It's all about financial gain, selling indulgence, all this stuff. And he was discouraged. And so one Christmas, he took a walk along the snowy streets of whatever country he was living in. He saw this evergreen tree. And as he prayed to God for the state of the church in Europe, he looked at that tree in the midst of the dark night, right on top of that tree, he looked and he saw this bright shining star hanging over that tree. And it was a message that God was speaking into his heart. He said, in the darkest of nights, the light shines the brightest. 
And so sometime later, a tradition began where we would take evergreen trees during Christmas, evergreen. You know where that word comes from? Because they are always green. They don't change colors. And Martin Luther said that reminded him of the unchanging nature of the God who sits enthroned in heaven. Whenever he put up that tree, he said, my God will be faithful to his promises. And whenever he would put a star on top of the tree, he said, no matter how dark the night may be, the light shines brightest when the night is darkest. And so as we look at (laughs) the non-lights on the tree, but when you go home and you look at your trees, be reminded of the faithfulness of God. We have the opportunity of a lifetime. People are hungry. People are needy. People are afraid. People are looking for light. And he's calling us to go and to be the messengers of that light. Look at what the the shepherds did. It says, uh, after they saw, verse 16, well, uh, after they heard, uh, they said, verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary. Uh, Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Right? They went and they said, you know what? This is the ch- Nobody may believe us, but we cannot deny the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. Nobody believes us. Again, our, our witness is not valid in a court of law. They might not believe us, but still we're going to go and we're going to take this message because we can't deny it. Forget political correctness. I don't care about that. That's what they said. I'm not afraid. You ever hear of the... Uh, the, the shoe, does anyone have any shoes called Bata shoes? B-A-T-A. Have you ever heard of it? This is, apparently, it's a, it's a shoe brand that is the number one selling shoe in Africa, in the continent of Africa. And so the story goes that in the 1800s, when England, when Africa had opened its doors, the tr- trademark had opened its doors to, to foreign products, um, England sent ambassadors from different shoe companies to see what is the market for shoes in this new continent. And so all of these shoe companies sent in their people and they looked around and they came back to England with this discouraging report. Nobody here wears shoes. Nobody here wears shoes. There's no market for it. We need to go somewhere else. And so they went back, except for the representative from Bata Shoes. He looked at those people and he said, nobody here wears shoes. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. The whole continent is open to us. We could be sitting on a gold mine. And so people say, if you go to Africa, you will see signs everywhere for Bata shoes because they saw, holy cow, what I've got is exactly what my people need. How do you see the darkness around you? You say, there's no, whoa, boy, there's no room for the light here. I should go somewhere else and I'll just hang out with my church people. Or do you say, holy cow, there is no presence of light here. This is where I'm needed. I need to shine because there's a mission that God has called me to. And I'd be, I could be sitting on a gold mine here. Do you know that the morning is always darkest right before the dawn? Man, could it be that this is the opportunity of a lifetime that we've been waiting for? In the midst of the darkness, this could be our hour. 
to go forth and to shine. The shepherds weren't afraid of what people would say about them. I think we need to learn from them. They were nobodies. They didn't, nobody respected them, but they said, listen, I'm going to go because I've got something that the world needs to have. You know what, guys? The greatest aim of Jesus for our lives is not that we be politically correct. Jesus didn't live and die for you and me in order that we would be politically correct. Jesus didn't come to be politically correct. And I, I okay, I understand. Don't go around and, and, and nailing, you know, Merry Christmas everywhere on your office walls or on your school and, and get excited. I'm not saying do that. But what I am saying is don't be afraid. This very message that the world is trying to silence is the very message that they need now more than ever. Don't be afraid. If you have the light of life in you, and people are hurting and dying without it, and you have the answer, and you got to go. This is our mission. This is our time. This is our day. This is our hour. Don't give in and uh, when you talk with your friends, oh, I'm going holiday shopping. Let's rise above the call of Christ. It's bigger than that, y'all. It's bigger than that. Jesus, John 1 doesn't say Jesus Christ came full of political correctness. It says he came full of grace and truth. What does that mean? It means we speak the truth, but we speak it with grace. Ephesians 4 doesn't say that instead speaking to others with political correctness, it says instead speaking the truth in love. Don't be afraid. To me, it boggles my mind that the Peanuts Christmas special, a Charlie Brown Christmas, could actually get airtime all these years on network TV. And it boggled the mind of some executives, too. Actually, the producer of a Charlie Brown Christmas, when Charles Schultz wrote that story, went back to Charles Schultz and said, you've got to take out the biblical references. Everything is good, but you got to take out the Bible. And this is what Charles Schultz said. He looked at him and he said, if we don't do it, then who will? If we don't do it, then who will? If you don't do it, then who will? In a world that mutes the message of Christmas, if we don't do it, we who know then who's going to do it? Let's get out there and let's shine. Let's shine the light of Jesus. The very message, Jesus came into this world to do the one thing that could not happen in heaven. What was it? What did it take for him to be the savior of all? He came into this world born of a baby to do what every baby born in this world will do. That's to die. God came near so that he could die for the sins of the world, not only for us, but for those who have yet to hear who will one day believe. The message of Christmas to you and me as we live and to you and me as we go into the world is don't be afraid. We've got what the world needs. And I believe that this year the world is desperate for the message of Christmas. Let's pray. Hey, if you're here today and you're not 
a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian, and you feel like, yeah, you know what? I've been living in fear. That's my life. I've been afraid. But if it's really true that I don't have to live in fear, and then that's the message that I want in my life. And others of you, maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been afraid to speak out and speak up the message that the world is dying to hear. And God may be calling you, hey, let's speak the truth. Don't be afraid. You don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to fear. Let's take a couple moments to pray right now and respond to the word of God. If you don't know Jesus and you want him to come into your life and to be your savior, in a minute, I'm going to just give an invitation to you to pray a simple prayer. But I want you to think about that. Do I need Jesus in my life? Have I personally made that choice to trust in Jesus? Maybe there's some of us in here who, yeah, I need Jesus in my life. Yeah, I really do. Today could be your day. When Jesus came, the world was never the same again. Let's take a moment right now just to pray and respond to the word of the Lord. And say, Lord, I need you. Help me. Make the message of Christmas real to me so that from the inside out, I might declare. I love you from the inside out. Let's pray for a couple moments and then uh, for anyone in here, I'm going to give an invitation in just a minute. So let's pray. Let's uh, talk to the Lord. Prayer is just talking to God. So let's just talk to him what's in our hearts right now. book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 it says just as man and woman are destined to die once and after that to face judgment death is the only certain reality of this life so as we continue to pray and with our eyes closed I want to invite you to know that when you stand before your maker on judgment day either we will take the punishment for our sins against God or we can believe that what Jesus did on the cross he, he took our punishment for us by being nailed to the cross and dying so that when we stand before God, we will not be punished. It's a substitutionary sacrifice that Jesus made. He died in our place because of love, because the Father wanted us to be in his family. It's a love that goes beyond reason and doesn't make sense. It's called grace, a gift freely given. So with our eyes closed, if there's anyone in here who says, yeah, you know what, I have been coming to church or maybe I haven't come to church, or, but I know that I need Jesus in my life to be the savior of my life, to be the forgiver of my sins, and to be my new master. With our eyes closed, if there's anyone like that, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up or call you out or ask you to do anything else. I just want to see your hand and, and, and recognize you so that we can, uh, you know, maybe we can talk after our worship service. 
Is there anyone like that in here? Yeah, I need Jesus in my life. Whether we are in that place or not this morning, I'm going to pray this prayer on behalf of all of us so that if that's you, you can pray this prayer in your heart as well. I'm going to pray on behalf of all of us and then we'll continue to pray through songs here. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have loved us, that you have not just loved us by singing us a song or giving us a flower or painting a sunset in the sky or sending us a card. Your love for us was not merely sentimental, but your love for us was sacrificial, even to the point of seeing your son die on a Roman cross for the punishment of the sins of the world so that everyone who believes in Jesus would not die forever but have life that is eternal. We thank you so much that this is true, but that we need to respond to that invitation. I pray for all of us in here who have not yet responded to your invitation that we would do so in order that we might have life and have it the way that it was meant to be lived. Life in this broken world is not the way that it was supposed to be. We were supposed to live in harmony and love and in freedom and victory. We can have foretastes and glimpses of that as we begin a relationship with you. So help us. And for those of us who know life in Christ, Father, help us not only to live this message, but to carry out the mission that you have for us. We're sitting on a gold mine. Help us, God, to go forth out of love for you and love for your people. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.